views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Thank you, Roger. And welcome back, everybody. We got over the uh, coronavirus XB 1.5, and Dick can knock you for a loop, but I'm um, glad uh, over a week now, uh, negative every single day, and uh, ready to go for another season on the Author's Hour. Right here on Smoker 99.9 FM and W1RI.com. And the fastest growing part of my show, I believe right now, is uh, TuneIn Radio. The spiking numbers on that every week. First part of our show is going to be brought to you by Book Lovers Gourmet, your local independent bookstore owned and operated by Debbie Horan since 1995. And very, very receptive to local authors, local poets, artists, musicians. She's the whole package right there at 72 East Main Street and Webster, Mass. What an inventory. And also... They feature Hogan Brothers Coffee, which is also available to take out by the one-pound package. All the pastries by Phyllis Bakery and also new arrivals every day on the uh, children's section, puzzles, games. Just inventory right to the roof at the Book Lovers Gourmet, located at 72 East Main Street in Webster, Mass. Uh, She'll be open right around 10 o'clock today, 508-949-6200. Three two and the following Harvest Moon Health Foods Group Twenty One Unit Four Colonial Plaza at Putnam, Connecticut eight six zero nine two eight twenty three fifty two Healthy foods for a healthy lifestyle, gluten free products, over a hundred dried herbs, nuts and seeds, healthy snacks. Help your body to reinforce its immune response, hemopathic and herbal allergy relief. We stock quality brand manufacturers, including Against the Grain, Rudy's, Nature's Plus, Batlean's Organic Oils, Food for Life, and so much more. Natural honey and organic coconut sugar, raw milk. Elderberry for flu remedies, consumer-friendly hours on Monday through Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. HarvestMoonHealthFoods.net, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, Putnam, Connecticut, 860-928-2352. Proud sponsor of Brian Tag and the number 9 in the late model at Thompson Speedway. Are you getting your heating bills in? You're getting those card, card, credit card charges from your Christmas expenses. Looking for a little pin money? What a way to turn your uh, junk or cleaning out your garage or your cellar. Turning it into some nice pin money for you. Ross Recycling is a premier scrap metal yard located in Putnam, Connecticut. They buy all types of scrap metal junk vehicles, uh, no job is too big or too small, one of six locations open right now, and these are just a few of things that they do accept to turn it into cash for you. You can give them a call at 
888-7165 to get the latest payout on all your uh, scrapping materials. All grades of steel, aluminum, brass, all types of batteries, electric motors. They have a mechanic right there that takes it apart and gets those valuable recyclable materials right out of the inside of those electric motors. Insulated wire. Don't throw it away. Scrap it. Turn it into cash. Plate and structural stainless steel. And also at six different locations. They're the largest around the multi-million uh, dollar business. And uh, six locations in Connecticut. And that's in Clinton, Hartford, North Stonington, Preston, and locally right here in Putnam, Connecticut at 64 Tucker Hill Road. That's right off Route 44 as you're coming in to the uh, town of Putnam, right on the left-hand side. You can't miss it. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday, 8 to 12, and God's Day Sunday, they are closed. Give them a call ahead, and you'll get today's quote on what you're trying to scrap. 860-928-7165. Folks, if you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny Ray. And happy birthday today, uh, Brian's Mechanics. And that is at, uh, let me see here. South Main Street in Pascoke, Brian Mathau turns 47 today. Michael McSwain, 56, and former classmate Billy Massey, living down in Florida, tunes in on TuneIn Radio every Tuesday morning. A big happy birthday. What a party that's going to be. And on 118, uh, someone is going to be fishing with us up at Lake Winnipesaukee, Gussie, Steve Gustafson, from the uh, uh, window plant in Pasco, turns 52. And Norm Wren, owns three or four uh, racetracks throughout New England, turns a young 63. Wayne, WNRIDeYahoo.com for any PSA and birthday announcements. AuthorsHourBookstore.com New and slightly read books. If you heard our author interview on our Author's Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closeout book. Again, it's the new Author's Hour Bookstore.com. Over 500 titles on file with a library of over 4,000 books. If you heard the interview on the Author's Hour, you can listen to the podcast at anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Barber. You can learn about the book you're about to purchase and the author, and it may help uh, determine whether you make the purchase or not. Mention today's show or WNRI for another whopping 10% off. And most of the deliveries I drop off right to your residence. I, I know the area pretty well. Okay, on today's line, we have our very first author of the day from Whitensville, Massachusetts. The name of the book with a fantastic cover is Four Strokes West. Not a two-cycle, a four-stroke. Okay, we're talking motorcycles. An amazing American adventure by Mark 
and the last name is the longest name I've ever had for an author on the Author's Hour. And Jeff is watching me right now to see my pronunciation. I'm going to try my best. I hope I don't book, uh, butcher it. Dermudrian, is that correct? Good morning. How are you, Mark? Well, I seem to have you on the line, and I got that on caller. I've got two of the three going correctly. So that means this one's on. Are you there, Mark? Okay. We're going to have to move into something else. Uh, it's not working on the phone right now. Okay, the name of the book is Four Strokes West, An Amazing American Adventure. And if Jeff could come in here, there's going to be one more switch that I did not change from the previous show. Okay. We're also sponsored today by Northeast Race Cars and Speed. And let me see. They're located at Six Hill Road, Harrisville. 401-710-9992, also the home of Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair with the best brake job in northern Rhode Island. You know what I can do? I can go on to this one over right here, and I can play, uh, let's see, Book of Love, and that'll give me a little break. I wonder, wonder who, who. Who wrote the book of love? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Who wrote the book of love? I've got to know the answer. Was it someone from above? I wonder, wonder, who wrote the book of love? I love you, darling. Baby, you know I do. But I've got to see this book of You never, 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 ever gonna part in chapter three. Remember the meaning of romance in chapter four. You break up, but you give it just one. Good morning. How are you, Mark? Good morning. How are you? There you are. Nice and clear. Coming in. Now, the, <laughs> name, the name of the book is Four Strokes West, an amazing American adventure with a fantastic cover on it. And it's Mark. And excuse me if I butcher your last name. It's the longest author's name. Dermudrian? Yeah, that's close. Dermudrian. Wow. And what nationality is that? Polish? Yeah, well, my ancestors are Armenian. Armenian. Okay. I contacted you because you've been on the circuit going around different places and a couple of the local uh, uh, publications that I get at my house in Thompson, Connecticut had you featured. And it really got my interest because I've interviewed many authors in the twilight of the years or want to get it out of their system on their bucket list, want to take a long trip in our beautiful country. And this one here, uh, very, very surprised on your choice. 1975 Honda CB360s, all three gentlemen. Uh, 
I thought at least 750 or 1,000 for the comfort level on the size of the motorcycle. Uh, did you get real good mileage with that CB360? Well, you know, first of all, back in this, we bought them in 75 to get ready for 76. But back then, that's all we could afford. And uh, we thought they were, you know, big motorcycles. But compared to today, you, you, you'd probably expect it to be rattling riding a bike like that. I mean, you had to be pretty young to be able to sit on that for four or 500 miles in one day. And um, we did it. But they held up. They, they got pretty good mileage, maybe 40 miles, 50 miles to the gallon. But, it, you know, they were easy to get around. They were simple to fix and uh, it just it was a workhorse for us but it it lasted over 22,300 miles on that trip wow now you noticed in the first part of the story that uh one of you went to the dealer and got a sissy bar for storaging and tying down the stuff and soon as the other two drivers saw that the first time you had a chance to get to a honda dealer they did the same thing that must have saved you a lot too yeah, well, you know, we were just tying it down on the seat, and then we found we found out with my friend Tom, he's the one who had that sissy bar, so we said, gee whiz, we could stand everything up against that, and so on our way down, we stopped somewhere in New York, and we bought each bought a sissy bar and mounted it on our bikes, and there we go. Now, in this time frame, this was basically pre-computers. So you didn't have the Bluetooth, the GPS, the Garmin. You had the old-fashioned maps. That's correct. We had nothing. Just a, I brought my compass with me because when we were hiking in these big national parks and through the woods, I used the compass and maps, but uh, that was it. And then we used the maps as we went. I have one map that, that I have drift, you know, drawn the line everywhere we went, but... Um, we were just kind of roaming around, so we had no direct course that we were trying to follow. If you're just tuning in, it's a fantastic adventure of driving in the United States four strokes master. We're not talking about the backstroke from swimming. We're talking about two-cycle and four-cycle and four-strokes. This is a type of motorcycle, CB360. And then astounding, you just said it, 22,000 miles on the three bikes. And right off the bat when I was reading it, one of the first parts of it, you woke up in the morning and had your first flat tire very early in the journey. You've couldn't, you couldn't have packaged a spare tire, would you? No, but we did we did have a tube, and uh, so we all carried one spare tube, and so we had to, and on top of it, it was the rear tire, so we had to break it all. It was my friend Steve's bike, and we had to break it all down. That was uh, literally at, I think it was in New Jersey. That's as far as we got was New Jersey, and we got that flat tire. Okay. What is astounds me? You talk about security and how society has changed. And this era in the mid-70s, things were a lot different than the way, what they are today. Uh, using police departments, I think, was a brilliant idea. And after you got out of New England, you seemed to find a different um, 
mindset of the police departments for compassion for what you guys were attempting. Matter of fact, in the book, you mentioned it. Oh, go ahead. You can use our police department showers here. Feel free to use them. Set up in the back. Nobody will bother you. And there was only one instance where one John Wayne police guy break that down. I want to see what you're carrying. But uh, all in all, you were very receptive every way you knocked on doors? Yes, I would say that it was amazing. Uh, you know, God was with us because we met a lot of nice people. We we bumped into a few bad people that, uh, you know, we ended up in a few brawls and things like that. But but overall, people were very nice to us. And if you happen to notice in the front of the book, I, I dedicated that book, my book, to all the people that were nice to us throughout our uh, travels throughout America. And, uh, yeah, we bumped into a, a lot of nice people. In Nashville, if you had a chance to, if you got to that chapter in Nashville, a lady named Mrs. Rose, uh, I, I've never been able to track her down since, but... You know, we were at a laundromat doing our laundry, which we only really had. We had two pairs of jeans. We left with two flannel shirts, two pair of underwear, two pair of socks, just one pair of work boots. We did pair, bring a pair of gym shots and, um, and a pair of tennis sneakers, and we strapped our tennis rackets on the bike so we could play some tennis as we migrated around. Nice. And um, so we were washing our trying to do our laundry and this this lady came up to us now we were 25 she probably was in her mid to late 40s of course back then i thought that was old now i'd give anything to be 40 but uh anyway so she she said you know she asked us where we were from what we were doing and and she said look it doesn't look like you know how to do laundry and we said not really but we just throw the soap in and she, she laughed and she said why don't you leave it here Go, you know, drive around Nashville, look around, and come back in an hour, and I'll have your laundry all done and folded for you. So we looked at each other and said, wow, that's great. So we took off, and we came back in an hour, and there was our clothes all clean. Everything was done, and then she invited us home to her house for dinner. And she said that she had a a 21-year-old son that would love to meet us, and... um, you know, she asked, she said, when's the last time you had a home-cooked meal? And we said, oh, in months. So she said, well, come on, we'll show you some great southern hospitality. So we we went to her house, and I think it was like 6 o'clock. So we showed up to her house at 6 o'clock. We met her son. We're talking. We had a beautiful dinner. And then um, we were watching the Cincinnati Reds beat the Yankees in the last, I think it was the last game of the World Series. Yep. And then... Before we left, we, we, you know, and plus on top of that, her husband had passed away a few years prior. Now think about this. Who would do that? Let three young guys in their mid twenties just show up to her house just with her son there and that's it. I don't think it could be, I don't think this story could be duplicated today in in, in the environment we have today. I don't think we could do it. Yeah, well, that's what makes this so unique. It's unfortunate that we can't, but I agree with you. Um, 
when we were done, every time someone was nice to us like that, we were always offered to, to do some work for them, clean up their yard. Right. I could do carpentry and plumbing and electrical work. So, you know, I fixed a lot of doors and windows or fences and things like that. She didn't want us to do anything. And she said, no, don't worry about it. Just when you're ready, you could either stay here or go do what you want. And uh, so we went out and fixed a bunch of stuff. I remember fixing a door, fixing a fence and something else. And then we said bye, and that was it. Never saw that woman again. I love the chapter that I read in the book. Uh, you meet Lynn, the waitress, and then she's going to line up a future date, but she's going to have the spaghetti supper for you and get you all pumped up and you're uh, uh, fantasizing in your mind. If she's a fox, the other two females have got to be foxes. So you start <laughs> writing about that. And then it turns into, uh, we're getting a little low on funds here in, in this middle part of the 1970s, so we've got to generate some more cash for the next part of the journey. And then you get the lead on, this is apple picking season in this part of the country, and there's uh, a shortage of migrant workers in this area. And if you're willing to work and start at the beginning of the day, we've got plenty of work for you. And that turned in to another nice meal and a nice warm bed that night. Yeah, I mean, we, that was in Virginia when we, uh, we met, well, we looked and found an ad. People told us we, we kind of asked for where we could get a job. And someone said, the apples orchard up the street's hiring. So we went up and met the fellow that, that owned the place. His name was Mr. Wren. And then so he said, sure, I'd be happy to hire you guys. And so we were picking apples. I think I fell out of the tree three times. But um, but anyway, so within, at the end of the day, we said to him, would you mind if we uh, just kind of camped out here in the orchard? Well, you know, until the next day. And he said, how come? He said, I said, because, you know, we usually just sleep wherever we go on the ground, you know, out in the woods or somewhere. He said, well, why don't you uh, check with Bill, Bill Devers, uh, my foreman? He, you know, he just lost his wife. He'd probably love to have you for company at his house. And so we looked at each other and said, that sounds okay. And, and Bill was about 65 years old. He, he, had, he was a typical, like a farmer. He had his blue overalls on with the bib overalls and nice guy. And he said, sure, you can follow me home. So at the end of the day, we followed him home down this windy, dark, country back road no lights anything and we got to um his house was an old farmhouse you know it's a real old house with like one light in the middle of each ceiling pull chain light outhouse all that sort of stuff but we but anyways we stayed with him for about five days and five nights something like that and um I mean, he used to get us up at five in the morning to feed the pigs and the sheep and the cows and all that before we went to pick the apples what a story. You know, yeah. what I'm getting out of it right now is just dawned on me. What I'm saying, it probably couldn't be duplicated what you've achieved in this environment in 2023 with, you know, all the violence and drugs and everything out there and the stigma of motorcycle riders, the Hells Angels and stuff like that. I think what made this possible and you're starting to convey it as I'm interviewing on the air, on the radio right now. This happened because of the personalities of the three writers. 
you guys must have had an aura about you with the excitement and the big eyes of making this trip that you took the fear away from everybody you met and you had them go along with the journey with you. Yeah, you know something, Wayne, I think you're right. Nobody's ever picked up on that, but I I think that was that was a big thing. And um but in the book the not the book is an adventure book. It's written as a sort of like a Hardy Boy adventure story. Yeah, yeah, correct. But it, at at the same time it's an inspirational story. There's four major themes and they're on the back cover of the book, but yep. the first one is to think big. I used to always say think big and big things will happen. The second theme that runs, it, these themes run subtly through the story. The second one is the dream. I, I, I always said keep dreaming and your dreams will come true. Don't give up on your dreams. And then the third theme in the book, I used to say be nice to people and people will be nice to you. Now, most of the time that worked out like that. Every once in a while we got into some pretty wild brawls. One time I had to break a guy's arm to save my friend. And uh, but I'm just saying we overall we met a lot of nice people and people were nice to us and we were nice to them and the the last theme in the book is to thank God for all His blessings and I'm telling you that we never even we never even had as much as a cold we were in the wet the snow the cold sleeping in the water I mean we didn't even have a cold on this journey we never got eaten by bears because we were camping in the woods where there were bears. We we never got any bat, rattlesnakes chasing us when we were camping in the high desert, anything else like that, where they could crawl into your bag. There were a lot of things that happened that, that you know, we were just fortunate we were being watched over. And I think you were. Yeah. I can tell you that those themes of thinking big and dreaming, we got on national television at the University of Tennessee, Alabama football game, and... The, what happened basically was halfway through the trip, you know, we didn't have these cell phones with FaceTime and all that or even cameras. A good, we we basically, one of my friends said, geez, our folks don't even know what we look like. They're probably worried. I said, well, we've got, we got to get on national TV. Well, if we get on national TV, they'll see us. So we got to tell them when we're going to do it. And so I won't expound on the whole story, but in Knoxville, Tennessee... We ended up on national TV at the University of Tennessee. It was the Alabama-Tennessee football game. We spent the whole second half of that game on the field with the cheerleaders, flipping them off our shoulders. And, you know, they, they got such a kick out of us doing that, they asked us to do all the games. And when we told them we can't, you know, they said, how come? We said, we don't go to school here. And you know what the captain of the cheerleaders, she said, leave it at three guys from Boston to come down here and do this <laughs> and then after that I said next we're going to get in the movies and believe it or not down in Houston, Texas everything just happened to fall into place and we got in Muhammad Ali's movie The Greatest Unbelievable Yeah, yeah, so I'm just saying all those things you know, down in Texas we almost got killed by banditos right where they're crossing the border now in Big Bend National Park but these banditos, they, these guys were wearing, just like in the movies, they had the gun belts across them with the big sombreros, and they were chasing us on horseback. We had to get away. Wow. 
Yeah, there's a lot of exciting stories in there, and there's a lot of good compassion stories. We ended up, you know, our folks thought we were going to be eating cold hot dogs and beans on the side of the road somewhere for Thanksgiving. And I remember telling my friends to say, tell your moms we're going to be having Thanksgiving with a nice Mexican family down in Texas somewhere. <laughs> and believe it or not, you'll see a picture in the book of me carving a Thanksgiving Day turkey. We met a family in Corpus Christi, and they took us in, and we had Thanksgiving. We were there for a week, and we had Thanksgiving dinner with them. They had seven children, so we were the eighth and ninth kids. Wow. And they're probably Roman Catholics, too, are very religious people, and open up their heart to you. Yeah, they did. Huh? I'm telling you, I'm trying to find that family now just to thank them. The mother and father passed away. I found out about that. But I'm trying to track down their children. I'd like to send some money and something and ask them to put flowers at their parents' grave for me. Yeah. You know, I got a question. On, I'm not a, a big-time biker in my career, or auto racing and a lot of other things, but not into bikes. But I always thought it was so scary to ride any type of bikes on the highways and heavy rains and stuff like that where you couldn't go over 20 or are you going to flip the bikes and you you uh, write in your book many times you're driving for hours with pockets on in this driving rain I, I just can't say how you didn't get injured driving the bikes is it safe? well I, t I would tell you that God was, I, I keep saying it, that God had to be watching over us because you're right. We didn't just drive for half an hour. We would drive all day in that, and we weren't going 20 miles an hour. So um, how'd you like to be riding a bike in the rain? Your feet are soaked. The rain's going through your little cheapy plastic rain suit that we had. <laughs> you're wet. And then at the end of the day, 7, 8 o'clock at night, pitch black, you had to find a place to stop and pitch the tent and go to sleep. In the black dark. <laughs> yeah. And think it, saying, maybe think know, about eating something. You know, there were times where you were wet and cold and miserable. We still had to stop somewhere to sleep. And we never knew where we were going. It's not like we made reservations ahead right. of time. Say, oh, well, we're going to stop at the Holiday Inn in Topeka, Kansas. You know what I mean? We just were going, and whenever we got somewhere... At the end of the, the day's ride, we figured, well, okay, we've got to find a place to bed down for the night. Sometimes we pitched the tent. Sometimes, if it was a clear night, we'd just sleep next to the bikes under the stars. Did you have other bikers join in the journey, ride with you a few miles, or say when you did stop to refuel, I'd attracted them, you know, to ask you about your journeys because maybe that was something they were thinking about? Oh yeah, a lot of lot of them, but they just couldn't. Most of them, just about all of them, couldn't do it. You know, they were working, they had responsibilities or whatever. Because we told them we didn't have any idea where we were going and how long we'd be gone for. So they they just were drooling over it. But um, yeah, it was a very unique unique opportunity. We had to quit our jobs. You know, we 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 stopped everything to do this. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, the other thing on it is a long-term relations of this trip from start to finish. You, you almost got me on the trip with you. It's so well written that I'm riding along with you.
and just as a bystander listening to some of these conversations, have you maintained any relationships with any of these participants today? Uh, My friend Tom, I talk to regularly. The first time I've seen him in 40 years was uh, last October. I was helping a friend of mine sail his boat down to uh, Florida from Rhode Island, and uh, we stopped in North Carolina near Cape Fear in the Intercoastal, and he, Tom retired into that area. What happened was when we got back, um, we all hung out for about a year, and then Tom's job took him out of the state, you know, and then he just kept going from different places, moving around the country for his job, and then Steve got a job, and then his job took him away, and then we all got married, we got kids, and everybody got full-time careers, and we got caught back into the rat race of life, and and we just lost contact with each other. Um, Tom and I have been staying in touch for about five to eight years, you know, through text messages and emails, and then I saw him for the first time in 40 years last, last October. Steve, my friend Steve, I haven't been able to chase him down anywhere. I think he got himself in some buying a couple of places, and I don't know, I haven't been able to find I left some messages that I thought might get to him, but I never heard back. But that's just the way it is. You know, God put me together with Tom and Steve. You had to have a certain type of person, and you had to be compatible enough to do some journey like this, because we were gone over nine months and and over 22,000 miles. And and we went through all kinds of scenarios. I remember in Marfa, Texas, we stopped in Marfa, Texas, you know, for one night. And it got down to like, we never anticipated it. It got down to 20 degrees. And we had more frost on the inside of the tent than on the outside. We were up all freezing all night. <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of guys in a car that were sitting at this little uh, rest area that we camped in. They, uh, they must have been drinking, and so they came and offered us some brandy, which was the worst thing. But back then you thought, oh, it warmed me up. But, you know, you're not supposed to drink alcohol if you're freezing. But anyways, and then we ran out of that, so they went to the, some liquor store and came back with a bottle of peach brandy. But by then the sun was coming up, and we were finally going to thaw out. What, what but, an uh, experience. It, did you get to the part where we picked up the little schnauzer, the little puppy? No, I didn't get to that part, no. Well, in Corpus Christi, we found a little puppy, an abandoned puppy, when we were with that Mexican family, the Manzanos. We found this little puppy, with, you know, they lived in a four-room house that was probably only 24 by 24. One-story house, no basement, four rooms, that's it. One pile of clean clothes, one pile of dirty clothes, and the, and the older kids worked nights and slept days, and the younger kids were out days and slept nights. And, and so we slept in a shed in the back of the house, and that's where we found this little puppy. And I took a, made a, took a milk crate, put it on my motorcycle, and made some walls and floors inside it and everything. And we, put, we carried that dog over 3,000 miles to California. <laughs> Oh, my Everywhere God. we went, the dog went with us. And, um, you know, because we weren't just driving to California. So imagine going from Corpus Christi to Texas is not 3,000 miles. 
we just kept driving all all over the place. Yeah, and the parks little, and stuff. Yep. That little dog just rode in the back of my motorcycle. The experience of undertaking this great, great American venture. What life skills do you think that gave you when you got back, get back into the rat racing society? How did that better prepare you in your maturity level for the rest of your life up until, up until this day? Well, it, it, I was always more of a gregarious person, but what that did is it basically gave me the confidence to go anywhere, anytime, and, and meet with anybody and survive. You know what I mean? So in the end, I was in sales and marketing, and I had to cover North America, and I could never bother me to, to go to Salt Lake City or go. I couldn't wait when I was, when I was working. I couldn't win. If I'm flying to a city, one time I remember one of the cities was Salt Lake. I was bringing some new technology. I was going to do a big presentation, and um, the plane got delayed somehow. We're circling around over Salt Lake, and I'm looking down, and I, I remember the sensation. I couldn't wait for my feet to hit the ground so I could sort of go in and conquer that marketplace. <laughs> and so, the, you know, the trip gave me a lot of confidence. And... Um, and it also showed me that, especially in the middle of our country, the type of people that are there. I mean, I never traveled to those areas before when, you know, my trip. And I got to meet a lot of very nice people that were extremely nice to us. What a story. Four Strokes West, an amazing American adventure, and it truly is. It's well written once you start reading I went through yesterday, I got up to, I believe, it was page 73 yesterday. But I related this book to other friends of mine that have filled their bucket list and gone like on Route 66 and other adventures. But this one is really well done with the personal contacts that you made along the way. And I think if you went back to those places, you might find some descendants of those people that you might be able to... Relive a lot of this. Wayne, what I've been doing, I, I only wish that I did this many years ago, but that's what's wrong with life. You get caught up in the rat race, you know, then you get to a point where I'm taking care of my parents and then my grandparents. And well, anyway, so you get so busy that I c just couldn't stop to smell the roses like I did then. So lately I've been trying to, to, to uh, contact some of the people that I remember their names and 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 see if i if i can get the descendants i've been doing it i've been trying i'll give you just one example i when we got to san diego um i said to my friends wait hey, there might be an armenian church here so so we always had a method to our madness we needed to take showers and we needed to you know clean up and we needed to uh, sleep places along the way. So I said, maybe if there's an Armenian church, we could use their facility or sleep in the backyard or something, you know, because San Diego, there's no woods you can just go lay down in or whatever. So we looked it up. There was a, it said St. Sarkis Armenian Church is the address. So we drove to that address, and it was just a house. We knocked on the door. Lady came to the door. She spoke only Armenian. And I could speak, I mean, and so we were talking, and, 
And she said, though, that the church hasn't been built yet. And so, anyway, she said, why don't you go out back, and in, in the back you can talk to this fellow named Vahe, and um, he has a print shop in the back of the house. So we went around the back, and we knocked on the door. He came to the door, and he said, sure, come on in. He gave us food, and, you know, he said, where are you sleeping? We said, we don't know yet. We've got to go find a place. He said, you can sleep on the floor in my shop. <laughs> so we, I mean... Can you imagine? No, I can't even begin to tell you unless you read the book. All the places that we slept in weird, in how many people's. Have you ever heard of Rico Petroselli? Yep. Red Sox shortstop. There you go. We met his uncle, unbeknown, in in San Diego. We ended up sleeping in his uncle's house <laughs> on his living room floor. Rico oh. Petroselli's uncle. Imagine that. That's a book itself. Yeah, we... We were we were at the um, we were at downtown somewhere I forget where it was and we were hungry we saw this Italian Petroselli's Italian restaurant so we I guess we were looking to go in there and then um, all of a sudden this fellow came and said you guys hungry we said yeah so why don't you come in and have a nice meal we kind of hinted we didn't have enough money for it but anyways we we went in and then you know it was great at the end. I think it was at the end of the night or something. And we were leaving. He said, where are you going? You know, what he's been doing. And we said, we're traveling around. The same story we told everybody. we got to find a place to bed down for the night because we weren't going into hotels and things. And he said, well, you could sleep at my house if you want. I don't have any extra beds or bedrooms, but you could sleep on the living room floor. <laughs> so we said, sure. As we always did. Anyways, so when we went there, my friend Steve says, Hey, Mr. Petrosell, you have any relations in Boston? He says, Oh, yeah, I do. He says, His name doesn't happen to be Rico, does it? <laughs> he said, Yeah, that's my nephew. <laughs> what a small world. Small. Can you imagine that? Mark, so where anyway, can people buy this book? My uh, emails are lighting up like the Christmas tree. Four Strokes West is available where? Well, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Baby, Walmart, Target, all, all the book distributors have it online. I mean, they can send you the book. The book, you know, hard, it's a paperback book or it can be bought on Kindle, but pretty much everybody has it. Are you into a website or a blog? I don't have that yet. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of old-fashioned. I'm trying to, my daughter says she's going to try to put that together. I have a Facebook page called Four Strokes West, Amazing American Adventure. Very but, good. Um, I don't have a blog yet. Mark, thank you very, very much for sharing this adventure on the Author's Hour. I cherish this book. I really, truly enjoy it. And I think I'm riding along right with you, but probably with an Indian. <laughs> Yeah, right. I know. I saw those today. I wouldn't mind being on one of those myself. Thank you, Mark, and you have a great day. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the first part of the show, Four Strokes West. And that's going to be brought to you by, we talked about Harvest Moon. And we're talking about Brian's birthday at Brian's Auto Repair at Boroughville Motor Sales. And Larry's 24-hour towing. 
And let me knock that line right off there. We did that, and we'll have a clearer connection. Also the home of Larry's 24-Hour Towing at South Main Street in Pasco. Used auto and truck sales. Uh, Peter and Jerry are in charge of that with new arrivals every day. And also expert lockout service, jump-starting service, uh, the first black guys of the year. Give Larry's 24-Hour Towing a call. Download it into your phone or your electronic apparatus right now. 401-568-6286. And today is Tuesday. You know what that means. I got to go on one too because we have some senior citizens at the house today. And what a perfect time to take advantage of Cereal's Pizzeria and Restaurant. The best breakfast in Northern Rhode Island. But also, I'm going to take advantage of Tuesdays I normally do. A large cheese pizza, a whole 15 slices, only $7.50. Every Tuesday at Cereal's Pizza Rima and Restaurant. Sunday dinner for two, $23.99. Over 52 years. And if you want to call for delivery, watching a hockey game or the replay of the football games over the weekend, they haven't lost an order yet. 401-568-7187. Cereals, Pizza Rima, and Restaurant. Right there at the Bridgeton Triangle in Pasco. Email come in from Teddy Bebo. He says, Wayne, he says, add this commercial back onto the author's hour. We got fantastic results from the Alto Esteem commercial. Please get it on there and pass on the special. Ted's Auto and Rust Repair. We fix rust. Now, also, we haven't done any snow plowing here in northern Rhode Island so far this year. But if you uh, have a plow rig, check out the uh, chassis and the framework on that. Make sure you haven't got any hairline cracks. Get it repaired right now at Ted's Auto and Rust Repair. They also offer sandblasting services, which is a rare commodity nowadays. And it's complete rust repair and by mentioning WNRI or Wayne Bobby, you're truly undercoating special. And there are different types. $4.99. Talk with the experts at Ted's Auto and Rust Repair. Always a free estimate. Call Teddy at 401-230-8877. Conveniently located on Route 44 in Chipatchet. Howie's Old Place across from Katie's. Now you get your bearings all set. Ted's Auto and Rust Repair. 401-230-8877. You know, the cost of used vehicles and new vehicles. A lot of people are adding on a year or two to their vehicles. Or maybe they were a little hesitant on giving you a sticker and told you you've got to get this rust repaired. This is the place to do it. They are experts. I believe there are about five mechanics there. Let's see if we got everybody included on today's lineup. Okay, I got a couple of emails here. They're asking me, what are uh, some of the new titles that you've added to the authorshourbookstore.com? Okay, we have added on The Naturalist Garden, The Audubon Society Master Guide to Birding, that is a three-book set, very rare from 1985. We've got that posted at $29.50. I've seen that as high as $49.50 throughout New England. Uh, the Writer's Resource, 
We've got a great book on Abraham Lincoln by David Herbert Donald. It's a soft cover book from 1995, and we've got that on sale for $9.95. Uh, the MVP Machine by Ben Lindbergh. A lot of baseball knowledge in that. Also, 10 Innings at Wrigley by Kevin Cook with the jacket. It was uh, printed in 2019, a real hard find. I've seen it as high as $29.95 and a lot of websites. We got that on sale right now for $9.95. That is so much more. And uh, also cookbooks. We got a nice selection of cookbooks on there with over the 500 selections. Okay. Books that we're going to be interviewing after we uh, read them and then contact with the author. Uh, most of the authors have day jobs, so it's quite a task to coordinate it. But this is what I have in my library at the house to read. Uh, Mapping America by Jean-Paul, uh, Jean-Pierre Isbuds and Those Who Hunt Wolves by Harrison Taylor. I've already read it. I cannot wait to dissect that over the year. Uh, the Selfish Giant by Ben Berkeley. Another one that I really like, another foreign writer that's really caught my fancy. A Piece of Me by Arif Ahmad. Henry Hits the Ball by local author from Pasco, Tom Ring. Uh, gets away from the automotive uh, field and talks about baseball. And Henry Hits the Ball. All the Dirty Self by Aggie Bum Thomas. Really good book. My Crazy Life by Alicia Fifus. The Museum by Samuel Redman. And the newest one I got in the other day, The Silent Count. Uh, matter of fact, we've already done that one on the radio show. Excuse me on that. And we've also have the pod- podcast on that. The Silent Count by E.A. Samerlio. And uh, so many more. Uh, Broken and Redeemed. Uh, let me see. Tale of Books. Uh, Knowledge. We've already done that one by Yes and GD. And we've got a couple of other announcements, too. As you know, I'm a member of the Association of Rhode Island Authors. And uh, we've all been invited. We're going to be over at the uh, Cumlin Public Library in February for the Local Authors Expo. There will probably be about 40 of us over there. We've reinstituted the Lively Literati down at the Greenwich Hotel at 162 Main Street. Uh, that'll be coming up, too. Poets at Lodge has now branched out into two or three states with Karen Warinsky. So we got a 2023 schedule for that. And we also have a new meeting place for the Association of Rhode Island Authors. I'm going through my stats here. And we moved. We got a good deal from another location. And that is on the website, the ARIA website. And that is a Zoom uh, only on that. And if you go on to Facebook, under ARIA or ARIA.org, you'll get the rest of the information on that too. Uh, today's transportation and limousine services provided by CJ Trans of Fairbanks and my beautiful receding hairstyle by Worcester Hair Company. And Little General Stores. By God, there's one in your neighborhood.
Tomorrow morning is Wednesday, so recipe for a good day. But uh, let's see, the specials that expire on 122 are cooked ham at $4.99 a pound, chuck roast, no relation to Chuck O'Neill, $5.49 a pound, and chicken drumsticks. Let's see, uh, Bill Wyman drumsticks, chicken drumsticks at 99 cents a pound. At Little General Stores, open eight days a week. Uh, money orders, gift cards, and propane exchange at most locations. Note the secret to that is the delis and the customer service and the convenient hours. You want something fresh, and I, I you know, I watch my truck Hamburg sales and stuff like that at uh, Little General Stores. But every time I go, and I shop at the one on Chapel Street in Harrisville, Mr. Marcotts, you know, I'm a homebody. And I knew his dad and his grandparents when they were on uh, Harris Avenue with one of the little generals years ago. And we got a good relationship. But I love the way that Mr. Marcotts does the packaging in his deli. And he gears it towards me. I can get a package of pork chops, like three to a pack. Or I can get either hot or sweet sausage, maybe four links instead of getting 12. For empty nesters, I love the way they do the packaging at that particular little general store in Harrisville. And I'm sure North Smithfield, Woonsocket, the other branches do the same thing. But they're thinking of the customer and the special orders. Call ahead to have it all packaged up, ready for you to go. Get all your lottery tickets right there. Did I tell you I won Megabucks the other day? Yay! I won $2. I matched number 14. But at least I won something. I can get another ticket now. But uh, also let me go through to make sure I got everything covered here to make this show possible. And uh, it was nice coming back on the air with the... uh, birding show that we had Sunday on the outdoor scene, which is also available on anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Barber. Uh, just a, a little startup site on social media from Kalamazoo, Michigan, that has already attracted 7.5 million viewers. That's why I got her on the show and what an electric show we had Sunday. I hope you enjoyed today's show, too. And I like the idea of reading either all of the book or most of the book before I interview the author. Because I think it brings a lot to the airways. But most important of all, thank you, WNRI, for making this all possible. Great, great freedom as long as we stay in within FCC rules. And most important of all, staying with local sponsors. Our family's been in business since 1871 in Northern Rhode Island. I did not sell out to the big boxes on any of my shows. I stay with local business because that is the backbone of our country. It's the backbone of WNRI, and it's the backbone of my fabric. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Remember, all your organizations, who do you come knocking on the door? Not the big box. It's always the local business person that comes through for you and makes it all possible. Thank you very much for tuning in today. And I think with this new software, and boy, this computer system is really out of this world right now. I think I got something in there called an outro. Oh, my God, there it is right there. 
Thank you very much for tuning in. And remember tomorrow, have one of the best days of your life.